If you have a Bible with you today, I want to invite you to open to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. All right, now I am, I am so glad to be back with uh, my church family. Emily and I, we tried to have a nice relaxing getaway in between her spring and summer semesters of grad school. And how many of you guys know that like right when you need a vacation and you go and try and take a vacation, something happens, right? So for us, it was a health thing with me and our basement flooded. <laughs> so, you know, that's always great when you're like gone out of the country and you get that text message of, hey, there's standing water in your basement. You're like, great. So, but all of that said, like, it still was, it was this great, like, relaxing time uh, that we were able to get away, but we, we really missed being here, like, honestly, like, we woke up Sunday morning, we found a church where we were, and we went, and that was great, but I just kept thinking about you guys here, and I just kept missing my church family and being part of this, uh, and yeah, it's, it's important to be part of a family, and so we are continuing in our series, though, on the book of Acts that we have titled, The Not-So-New Way. All right, we are looking at how Jesus came to establish an entirely new kingdom, a new way to live, a new world, um, really, to, to be part of and to move forward in. So what happens after he comes and establishes this and then leaves? Does this new kingdom take off or does it just completely fall apart? And Pastor Aaron had a great message last week uh, on... Uh, Stephen, the very first martyr, the first person to be killed for their faith in Jesus. Uh, and I went back and listened to that, and it, it just sounded like it was a, uh, a great time. And I just was really challenged, even uh, after the fact, going back and listening to that. And so uh, we are going to be picking up where she left off. Stephen had given a big speech. The religious leaders were irate, and they killed him by throwing rocks at him until he died. All right, that, that's a terrible way to die. And the result of this is uh, the same theme that we said we'll see over and over again in the book of Acts. And that's this. Despite tragic and devastating circumstances, God's kingdom will advance. And sometimes not even despite those circumstances, but actually because of those circumstances, God's kingdom will advance. And this is the theme that we see all through the book of Acts. All right, so back in the first chapter of Acts, right before Jesus ascends to be with the Father, he says this to his followers. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So the plan was to tell people about God's new kingdom in Jerusalem, where they were, the city where they were, throughout Judea, the greater area around them, Samaria, the area that would be just to the north of them, but more importantly than, than where they are geographically, uh, is a different ethnic group, a different background. And he's saying, you're going to them as well. And then it says, to the ends of the earth. But at this point, we are seven chapters in, at the point of Stephen, and they were still on the first step. They hadn't left Jerusalem. They, they were still there. And then Stephen is killed, and this is what it says at the beginning of chapter 8. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers, except the apostles, were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. So despite this tragedy, or actually even because of this tragedy, God's plan moves forward. And this idea that God will continue to work and his plans will not be hindered 
is so incredibly important for us to grab hold of, all right? Like for us to understand. And at times to even like claim this idea in our life. Like that might sound weird to claim it, but what I'm saying is when you're in the midst of a difficult circumstance, to go back to this truth and say that, you know what? Despite my circumstance, I know that God will move forward. His kingdom will advance and things are going to keep happening. Like there's times where we need to just kind of like say that in our life because if we look at everything around us, we think everything's falling apart. God, where are you? But to be able to say, no matter what, I know that this is moving forward. So now the, the, um, the church is kind of moving into this, this new phase of the plan. And this is a major shift in the book of Acts and in the story of the early church. Uh, And we now are going to see other people come into the story other than just the initial 12 apostles. And and they are really no longer the main people in the story. We still see them, but their role kind of seems to shift a little bit. And that's where we're going today. All right, we are going to look at two stories, both following one of the men that was chosen alongside Stephen. And he is one of the seven men appointed in Acts 6. His name is Philip. All right, so what I want to do uh, is just kind of pray together to start this off uh, and then read through each story, make a few observations of, of what this means for us uh, and how we can kind of apply this. So if you're able, would you stand with me just across the room uh, as we prepare our hearts for God to lead us? God, I pray right now as we, as we open up your word again, Lord, that every time that we open your word, that we would expect to be changed by it. God, that this would never become routine, that it wouldn't just be a habit, that we open it, we read it because it's what we do. But God, when we open this, the second that we crack that spine and open that book, Lord, that we know that change is in store for us. God, because your word is living, breathing. Lord, and it is constantly challenging us. So Lord, we we ask you to do that this morning. God, we ask that in your name. Amen. All right, you can be seated. So in Acts 8, many of the believers, especially those that would have been close to Stephen, they are being persecuted and they end up leaving Jerusalem. So we get to see what this looks like as they travel out. All right, so we're going to start reading in verse 4 of Acts chapter 8. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims. Many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. I love this first line here. They were scattered. They went out. But they went out with purpose. It says they preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. All right, like, I, I want that to be how I live my life. At the end of this morning, we're going to say amen and, and we're going to close the service and we are going to scatter. We're going to scatter. We're going to leave here. We're going to go different places. And we get to choose what that actually looks like when we go. Do we go with purpose? Do we go with intention? When we go to Long Prairie, to Swanville, to Browerville, Clarissa, uh, wherever it is that you live, sharing the good news, to our jobs, our homes, our neighborhoods. When we scatter, what does it look like when we scatter? All right, and then we get this specific picture of Philip. And and Philip isn't a new character, like we said. We saw him in Acts 6. He was one of the seven men chosen. Uh, But what was he chosen to do? 
maybe you remember a few weeks ago, was he chosen to go and preach and perform miracles? No, he, he was chosen, he was commissioned to run a food program. If you remember that, we talked about the first moment of real uh, division in the early church. And he was chosen to be part of running this food program. All right? So you would think that as he scatters, he must be going out, handing out food wherever he goes. No, what we see here is actually what looks a lot more like the ministry that Jesus was doing or the apostles were doing. He is sharing the gospel. God was performing miracles through him. Demons were being cast out from people. Paralyzed people were healed. And all of this is bringing this feeling of new life to the city that he is in. All right? Now, an important, an important piece here, as I accidentally hit my iPad in the wrong spot and skip way ahead. Uh, an important piece for us to understand here is this. Philip didn't disqualify himself from being used by God just because that isn't how he was used in the past. All right? So I want you to get this. Your past doesn't dictate how God can use you in the present and in the future. This means that junk from your past, this means that the schooling that you do or don't have, this means how long you've been a Christian, this means how good of an understanding you have of God or how much knowledge you have, none of that puts limitations on how God can use you. This is important. This is incredibly important for us to understand. All right? Too many people, too many of us, look at needs around us. We see things that need to get done, and we think, man, I sure hope God brings someone qualified along to fill that need and to fix that problem. No, like, it's you. Oh, man, my coworker really needs Jesus, and they're always sharing all their problems with me during our lunch break. I really wish that Pastor Josiah could come in and talk to them. No, it's you. Like, God has put you there for a purpose. Like, we disqualify ourselves so often because we look at ourselves and we always, we have this idea that we just, we aren't good enough, we don't know enough, we haven't done enough. God could never use me in this way. We need to be willing and open and available for God to use us. Just because you don't have some special training, just because you haven't held some specific title, or that you don't know as many answers as you think you need to, or because of bad decisions that you've made in your past, that doesn't mean that God doesn't want to use you right where you are. All right? As Philip was scattered, he went out with an attitude of God use me, and he was willing to take on roles that he had never done before, things that I'm sure seemed outside of his comfort zone. And when he made himself available, God showed up in miraculous ways. All right, remember, Jesus said, you will do even greater things than I. That's one of the scariest lines in scripture. All right, verse 9, we're going to continue on. A man named Simon had been a sorcerer there for many years, amazing the people of Samaria and claiming to be someone great. Everyone from the least to the greatest often spoke of him as the great one, the power of God. They listened closely to him because for a long time he had astounded them with his magic. But now the people believe Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself believed and was baptized. He began following Philip wherever he went. He was amazed by the signs and great miracles Philip performed. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. Briefly here, what we see happening in Acts is important. You have the original 12 apostles, and you'd think that the early church would revolve around them. All right, like I would have expected that after Jesus left, and you have the 12 apostles, that we would have had like 12 books of the Bible that all would have been named after each one, sharing their little adventures, their stories, their ministries, and everything that God did through them, right? Like that, am I the only one? Does that make sense to you in your head that there would be like 12 books of the Bible following these 12 guys? All right? Uh, if it were today, they would be starting their own church. They'd be building their own brand, their own platform. You know, they'd have all their own following. You know, Matthew Ministries, it's all about him. And, and they'd have their own following, writing their own books, preaching at different churches. And churches would be paying big money. Oh, we have one of the 12 apostles here this weekend. You got to come hear them. Right? Like, that's how our world works today. And it's terrible. Instead, we don't hear much about them. Most of them, we don't hear about them again. Do you know why? Because this isn't about building their kingdoms. It's about building God's kingdom. And God's kingdom is his and his alone. We cannot attach our name to God's kingdom. And be wary of anyone who tries to do that, all right? Especially in our age of consumerism and celebrity pastors and all of this type of thing. Like, instead, it is about passing the mantle onto the next generation of leaders. And then what the apostles did is they would help guide but they didn't have to be the stars anymore. And these new leaders that pop up become the initiators of where the movement is going. All right? They become the initiators of this. And the apostles take on a role of more so like verifying and, and agreeing with what they are doing. So here they hear about Philip and what he's doing. And they're like, wow, we've never done it that way before. At this point, they have not preached to Samaritans before. And what do they do? They send two people out to basically go and check on it. Peter and John come. They check in on it. They see, yeah, this is a new thing. We haven't done this before, but God seems to be orchestrating this, and he is moving in this. And they essentially give their blessing on it. And then in verse 25, I love this, you actually see the apostles take a page out of Philip's book and follow his lead, because on the way back to Jerusalem, they are preaching in Samaritan villages on their way. All right, and there's a big lesson here on passing things on to future generations. I'm going to leave that for a later time, all right? Verse 18, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given when the apostles laid their hands on people, he offered them money to buy this power. Let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter replied, may your money be destroyed with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. You can have no part in this for your heart is not right with God. Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive your evil thoughts. For I can see that you are full of bitter jealousy and held captive by sin. Pray to the Lord for me, Simon exclaimed, that these terrible things you've said won't happen to me. After testifying and preaching the word of the Lord in Samaria, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, and they stopped in many Samaritan villages along the way to preach the good news. I feel bad for Simon. I'm just going to say it. He, he is like a product of his world and his life. He is doing his best to make a difference uh, the way he knows how, honestly. But then, like, he, he's going around, he's doing kind of more so, like, sounds like magic tricks. I don't know. Obviously, it had something of substance to it. 
because people were amazed by this and they even, they associated him with God. But then his world is flipped upside down by the God of Philip who comes in and does what Simon could only dream of. But the problem is, and we see this here, Simon, Simon was after the gifts and not the giver. All right, Simon saw the miraculous things that Philip was doing. And then it says he visibly saw that when Peter and John laid hands on someone, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And Simon wanted that. And I honestly think, I do, that he had good intentions. I think that his motives were good. All right, you, this is left for us to kind of make this discernment. I'm just saying this for me. I think he had good intentions. Because what is it that he's wanting to do? He is wanting that gift so that he can give to others. That's what he says. I, I want to lay my hands on people, and they have the Holy Spirit. It's not like I want to be this super powerful person. Like, I think he has a, a, a decent heart here. He just is confused, and he doesn't really know what's going on. I don't, I don't think his motives are terrible, but he makes a mistake. He isn't wanting more of God. He's wanting more of what God can do for him and through him. All right, he wants the gifts, not the giver. So two things to grab here. Seek the giver, not the gifts. All right, and that just means when we're going after God, it is so easy to go after God when we want things in our life. Like, I'm going to spend more time praying this week because I have more things going on in my life. I'm going to spend more time praying because I have something that's really crummy happening. So I'm going to spend more time with God. It's easy to go after God because we want what God can do for us, and that's, that's not the way that we should be doing this. We need to seek the giver not the gifts. The second thing is this. We cannot manipulate God to be used how we want. All right? There is no shortcut to being used by God. We grow closer to him. We seek his will and his kingdom, and God chooses how and when to use us. We don't understand his timing. So this is the first story that we're given of the followers of Jesus spreading out. But it's followed by another story with Philip, and I want to look at this quickly, and then we're going to pull this all together, okay? And as I read this second story, I want you to be looking for something. Philip is being led by the Holy Spirit. We will see that explicitly shown in Scripture. But then at some point, he moves from relying on having to hear from the Holy Spirit to tell him what to do, to basically saying, okay, God, I see what you want me to do. I'm going to do this. And I think this is important for us because uh, there's times where we, we just do one or the other. Either we completely follow our own plan and we never stop and ask God anything, or we become so paralyzed expecting that God is going to move our foot every single step of the way, and we're not going to move until he tells us, all right? So just kind of be watching that as, as we read through here, all right? So verse 26. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. And he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, under the Candake, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. All right, so, so far, Holy Spirit guiding him the whole way. Verse 30, Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. 
The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So, the begin, so beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Meanwhile, Philip found himself farther north at the town of Azotus. He preached the good news there and in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. This is wild. Did you notice that? We just had biblical proof of teleportation. Maybe you missed that. Go back and read that again. I mean, it's crazy. It's, it's just, I love it. It just says the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. Like, could you imagine if we're doing baptisms here and all of a sudden Pastor Aaron's just gone? She finds herself over at the Sox Center Church. I don't know. Maybe we're supposed to baptize people here. It, I love it. Okay. Something that's great here is, is Philip is on his way somewhere, but he doesn't get so fixated on the destination, right? Like he was on, his, on a road. The Spirit told him, go on this road. But he didn't immediately put up the blinders and say, okay, that's my destination. I have to get there. Don't let anything distract me. And if you look at Jesus' ministry, the majority of his miracles are interruptions when he is going somewhere. All right, so I love this. Like, he keeps his eyes open as he's going. And, and I know this struggle. Like, when I, I get tunnel vision, when I start going somewhere, I, I start thinking about where it is that I'm going, and that's all I can think about, and I miss things that are happening around me. I focus on the end goal of, like, a project, and I, I just miss too much. All right, Philip does a great job of just being present where he is, knowing that in every moment of the day, God could move and change everything. All right, I love these stories of Philip. Uh, really, just an ordinary guy that was willing to be used in a food distribution program. And he started with this like small yes to that ministry to answer God's call, and it grew from there. Then he was strong enough to stand for his beliefs in the midst of persecution and the murder of his close friend. And then he was willing to be used in new ways. He didn't disqualify himself. He kept doing the task at hand, but kept his spirit open to God, guiding him in new ways. And I think these stories are here for the purpose of showing us what it looks like for us to just live out this Christian life. Like Philip is bringing the presence of God with him wherever he goes. We talked about this a few weeks ago at Pentecost, that God saw us becoming the new temple, that God's presence was going to reside in us and go with us. He is a walking, talking temple of God. And when people interact with him, they feel something different. They feel as if God is right there with them, caring for them, loving them. All right, and I want my life to be on mission like Philip. And I want to walk in a way where I am so incredibly sensitive to what the Holy Spirit might be leading me to that day and in each moment. Some of you have lived your life thinking that God can't use you. All right, you, you think that you are too shy, that you don't have the right personality, that you can never get up and grab a microphone and talk, so there's no way God could use me. Or you don't have the right personality just to be out there and talk to people and meet people. You don't know enough. You aren't good enough. You don't have the right talents and abilities. 
And you are disqualifying yourself and not even giving God a chance to use you. Maybe you think, well, I just started going to church in the last few months. Or I just started taking this thing with God a little more seriously. Like, I need to spend some time learning and getting closer to God. Well, yeah, we should be doing that. Absolutely. But God doesn't have to wait for something special to use you. He can use you right now in the moment. And I would say that he wants to. We say this to teenagers all the time. Like, stop dreaming about the difference you can make when you become an adult. You ever heard that? Well, like, when I grow up, then I'm going to do this. And you're like, you can make a difference right where you are right now. You don't need to wait until you have some degree or some career or some amount of money. God can, God will, God wants to use you right now. And teenagers, like teenagers, you are not the future of the church. You are the church. Like we need to correct that. This idea of like someday you're going to grow into this and, and do that. Like, no, like I, I have, in the seven years I spent in youth ministry before coming here, like I saw teenagers used in, in amazing ways. Amazing ways. At one of our churches, I'm not kidding, like the teenagers were setting the bar for the adults because they just got on fire for God and they, they were just, they're willing to be used by him in amazing ways. God wants to use you. And maybe this is the first time someone's ever told this to you. God wants to use you. Some of you, I think you know this because you have been feeling this. You've been feeling God nudging you and speaking to you and guiding you. And maybe you don't know what that looks like yet. And maybe you've kind of been open to it and you're still looking for that, but you know that, yeah, God wants to use me. But you might be scared and that little voice in your head starts talking and it starts listing off all the reasons that God couldn't use you. Some of you guys know so well what I'm talking about right now. As I've been talking this morning, that voice has been going nonstop. He's talking to everybody else in the room, not to you. This couldn't be for you. You remember that thing that you did in your past? Yeah, God can't use you. God doesn't love you. God doesn't see you as someone that he could use. That voice just goes over and over and it's going to do everything it can to disqualify you. Here's what you need to hear today. God is trying to use you every day. The problem is often we just, we don't think we can be used by God. So don't disqualify what God calls qualified. When you chose to give your life to Jesus, you became qualified. And I would actually go as far as arguing that if you haven't made that decision, you're not off the hook. That still doesn't mean you aren't qualified. I happen to remember a story where God spoke through a donkey. Not calling you a donkey. I'm saying you're better than a donkey. All right? Like, just because you haven't made that decision doesn't even mean that you're off the hook here. If you're sitting in this room, you're qualified. And the beautiful thing about God's kingdom and this movement is it isn't a movement of leaders and celebrities and influencers. It is something driven by the people, by us. Like, this is what it is. It's not meant to be this tiered system. That's not what the church is. I am not more 
able to be used by God than anybody else in the room. I have found that what God has for me is a specific job. And what scripture says that is, is equipping others to follow this call, to be qualified and to be used. And that's what I'm doing right now. And some of you, the first step you need in this equipping is just simply being told, stop listening to that voice in your head. You are qualified. God wants to use you. It isn't about your name or your past or your experiences or your salary or your ethnicity. It's about your openness to God. It's about making yourself available. All right, I'm going to have the worship team come up. Can we stand across this place? Philip was completely open to be used by God in whatever way, at whatever time, uh, and to accomplish whatever task God desired for him. All right? Like, I, I really, I love these stories. When Aaron and I were talking about, like, okay, we're going to go through the book of Acts. What, what stories do we want to highlight? Which ones are we going to talk about? And I got to Philip, and right away, I was like, ah, yeah. It's kind of these cool little stories. I don't really know. I'm going to be honest. At the beginning of this week, I sat down and just really started going through this. And God, where do you want to go with this? And I, I was struggling to kind of pull something together. Because as a pastor, sometimes it's more fun when there's all these things going on in the background and all these things that you have to know to kind of understand what's happening. And, and what I love about the story of Philip is like, I think even in, in how we are applying it is how the story comes across. It is just it's simple. It's there. It's a guy that isn't really unique. He's just willing. And he doesn't get tunnel vision. He doesn't put blinders on. And he just says, God, right now, what, what do you want me to be doing? And he keeps moving towards that end goal, that, that, that vision, that, that, that plan that he had put on, on Philip's life. But as he's going, it's like he's just grabbing people along the way saying, hey, come with me, come with me, come with me. You got to know this Jesus that I know. And I can just see him being that person that like, this is all he talks about. He goes somewhere new. He goes into Samaria and it's just, he's just talking to everybody. Can you just picture this city just coming alive as he comes there? And I don't think it's because of, of the miracles. Like really what we see is that when God performs these miracles through, through the apostles different times, many times it's, it's to show the importance of what they had to say. The miracle wasn't the end goal. That wasn't the focus. It was like the opening act to what really mattered. And Philip is just... It's just obedience. So I want us, uh, we're, we're going to sing just a little bit of this song that we finished with today. All right. And, and it's really simple. And, and I, I want us right now, and maybe you need to spend time, maybe you're not going to sing the words. Maybe you need to spend some time in prayer with God. That's fine. Or maybe you need to read through these words and you need to sing these out and you need to say, this is, this is going to describe me from here on out. God, I am available. I am available. 
All right, now we can't just say that word and then walk out of here and keep living our life the same way. That means we have to open our ears. We have to open our eyes. We have to open our hearts and say, God, I'm available. Use me. So let's, let's take just a, a minute or two here. The team's going to sing through this, and then I'll come up and, and close us up. It'd be a mistake for us individually where you are now not to stop and think about what is it that when you walk out of here is going to stop you from being available. All right, it's not as simple as just saying those words. So what is it that's going to stop you from being available? Is it the time that you have? Are you overcommitted in areas of your life? where you can't actually slow down and walk through life at a pace that allows you to see needs around you and then to actually respond to those needs in love. Sometimes we see them, but the little voice in our head says, you're too busy. You can't stop. Someone else. Right? Like, I, I just get pictures of the parable of the Good Samaritan as I'm even, like, talking about this. Like, we can have good excuses as to why we can't help sometimes. That doesn't mean that they're right. A good excuse isn't always right. So what is it that's going to stop you from being available? What do you need to work on? What is it that you need to change? What do you need to hand to God before you walk out of this room today? And say, okay, God, I'm laying this at your feet. I am done disqualifying myself. Maybe for you right now, you're just like, I don't even think that I have a relationship with God. How can God use me if I don't even believe in God? I want to challenge you. Take a step this morning and just say, God, I'm going to be open. I'm going to trust you a little bit more. Maybe you don't even know if God is real yet. Maybe you're still wondering that. But right now, I want to challenge you. Just say, God, I am open to you moving in my life this week. If you want to start to take more steps forward in that, I want to sit down and talk with you. We do that because we want to help you. We want to resource you. We want to give you what it is that you need to succeed. Let's just close in prayer this morning. What I want you to do is this. If you're here and you're saying, I want to be available, but maybe you already even know what it is in your head that is stopping you. Can you, can you just go like this? Can you just put your hands out in front of you? Just open hands in front of you. Just symbolic of basically holding whatever that is and saying, God, it's yours. Take this. Jesus, right now, we, we are just symbolically even holding these things that we have allowed to disqualify us. God, it might be things from our past. It might be choices that we've made, things that have happened in our life, things that haven't happened. We feel like we missed our opportunity. God, that you spoke to us 10 years ago, and that if we only would have listened then, then we could be used by you now. God, it's not too late. We know that. God, I pray right now that across this room, Lord, that we would just hand these things over. We would lay them at your feet, and God, we would say, this week, Lord, use me. I'm open I'm available. God, and that as we scatter today, 
that we would scatter with the same purpose and intentionality that the early believers did, that Philip did. That when he scattered, he knew it was with a purpose. So God, as we leave here today, Lord, that we would leave with purpose in mind. Jesus, we ask this in your name. Amen. Amen.